So, look, it's um, wonderful to have you all here uh, this morning as we celebrate the second week of the season of Advent, a time where we even more so reflect on, on the coming of Jesus and in particular his birth. But we celebrate that salvation came in human form and in, in the Son of God, that Jesus came down to earth um, to save each and every one of us that would accept his love. And it's so good to have you all here this morning as we get into, into week two. We really center in, in, the, in the season of Advent, we, we center on, on four themes and, and they're on the posters that are up behind you. And guys, can we get the image changed behind me as well? That would be great away from the offering slide, that'd be awesome. But uh, we, we focus on, on what are central to the life and ministry of Jesus that are now core to the believer's life, that of um, hope, that we have hope. Now, I, I can't, I, the message wasn't up online, just to let you know we're getting that rectified. It is coming up online, I'm told. I've had a few people ask about it. Um, it is coming. We're going to get that up there soon. Um, peace joy and love, that these are all um, central themes to Jesus, who he was and the work of God through the ministry and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that these are all central themes and now called to our life. And we take time um, to focus on each one of those in the season of Advent each week leading into the week of Christmas. Next week, the wonderful Jess, one of our young, young adults, is going to be speaking on the theme of peace. Um, really encourage you to come along and encourage her. A great up, she's just a brilliant teacher already, and a, and has the gift of healing. The Lord has placed into her life, both um, in through prayer and through her practical service, as she studies to be a doctor. So, um, come and hear from Jess next week, and then Nick's going to lead it, uh, finally lead us into the week of Christmas on the theme of joy. So really exciting. I get the privilege of talking on love. Now, it's both a privilege and a problem. Uh, it's a privilege because you could spend the entire time in personal testimony talking about God's love for you and, and, and just time. We, we sung it in the songs. He's good and he's faithful. And every circumstance of life, he proves himself to be good and faithful over and over again. And I could preach on that and talk about that from my own personal life. And then it's a problem because it's such a massive topic. It is the core and central message of God. He loves you. That is, in a, if you want to put it into one statement in throughout the Bible, God loves you, and it's a, the whole story of the Bible and humanity is about Him proving His love to us time and time and time again. Central message of the Bible, core message of the Bible. You are loved by the Father. You are loved. Every person in this room, you need to hear that message really clearly. And we're going to spend a bit of time, and I'm going to kick these out of the way because otherwise I'm going to kick them off the stage eventually. Right at the moment, I don't want them to. There'll be a clash of a symbol or something <laughs> like that because I kick it. You are loved. You are loved. Beyond what you can think, imagine, or dream of, or that you have experienced so far, you are loved. And this morning, we're going to focus a little more on, on firstly, on 
Um, well, secondly, actually, but we'll, second part, we're gonna, what does it mean for our daily lives? And we'll get to that on the back end. But first, I just want to take a little bit of time to talk about and to watch a little video clip on, on what, what is the meaning of love from the perspective of the Bible and in and through the life and the ministry of Jesus. Because love is used in so many ways, in so many terms. And if you've studied a little bit of Greek, you'll know I think there's four or five different um, uh, words that can be used but are translated love. And they all have different contexts and ways of working. But, um, for instance, we could use it, or society at the moment uses love more and more in the context uh, this is my experience anyway, and open to having a chat about it after. If, it's, if, you, if you disagree, that's okay. But I, I feel like more and more that society talks about love in the context of acceptance, in the criteria of acceptance in an individual's personal choice. So you love somebody, even if you don't agree with the personal choice, you, you, you love them by allowing them to choose who they choose to be. And if you don't accept that personal choice then you don't love them. And I think the Bible has a very, very different definition of what love is, and we'll look at that in a moment. But we can also use love to describe feelings that we have towards something or someone. We use it universally to describe the level of affection or desire that we have. I could say, well, I don't know why I wrote I love chocolate. I don't mind chocolate, but I don't love chocolate. Um, if Belinda was talking, she'd say I love chocolate. Um, I do love licorice, I'll say that. I love licorice. Um, I love my dog. I love my family. I love my wife. I love Jesus. <laughs> it was a build-up. Didn't you see the build-up? Licorice, dog getting to person, to family, to wife, to Jesus. There was a level going on there. There was a definite level. All right, I should have reversed it. All right, I'll take that one. <laughs> should have reversed it. But you can see that I used it the same word, love, but it's very, very different in each context, isn't it? In how I love each of those things. But the same word is used. And we could keep going. There's more. You could insert what it, what it is, and, and in the right order, you would get it right this time, because I took one for the team and got it um, in the wrong order. Now you can get it right. But most importantly, we want to know what does the Bible say about love and what love is, where it comes from. And, and how it informs us as believers. Because we want to love like Jesus did, right? And so Jesus had a very clear understanding of what love was. And so let's have a little uh, look at that. And while I could have a good crack at it, I don't know if you've heard about um, a, a group called The Bible Project. Now, if you haven't, I want to encourage you to use these guys as a resource. Short little four to five minute video clips they do on different topics and even introducing books of the Bible. So if you've always wondered, how do I understand this book as a whole? How do I read Matthew? How do I know what the message is or a book of the Old Testament? These guys do some really great visual tools and, and from my perspective, are very good teachers as well and they summarize them really, really well. So we're going to take just a, a few minutes. I'm going to let them tell us about the definition of love according to the Bible. Let's listen in. Let's hope this works. Fingers crossed. Love 
of Jesus, you probably know about one of his famous teachings called the Golden Rule. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And this, actually, is a restatement of something else that Jesus said, that the meaning of life is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's really beautiful, but what does he mean exactly by the word love? It's an unclear word in English, because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's going to feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures, where the word for love is ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day was a cousin language of Hebrew, that is Aramaic, in which the word for love is rachmah. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. But here's what's fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they didn't learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So one time, Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. And he first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. To ask the question means you don't get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they're inseparable. And so this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you, like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It's a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them, expecting nothing nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy-embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of the Apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that's how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. 
So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. And that's the New Testament meaning of agape love. Cool. Enjoy that? They do a really good job. So if you want to know the Bible Project, just type in Agape Love, and you can find that through any internet browser, and then you'll get to see all the Bible Project videos they've got there as well. I, I love a statement. I want to reread something that they said in there uh, about the disciples as they wrote uh, about Jesus. They didn't learn the meaning this, of love, obviously. They didn't learn the meaning by looking up an ancient dictionary. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. I'll read it again. They didn't learn the meaning by looking up an ancient dictionary. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. I thought that was just gold. That it, what, they, they looked, Jesus in the disciples' mind wasn't, he is the person of love. So he, it had to be redefined because who he is, and as 1 John 4, we'll look at it in a minute, talks about, it, it's actually that God is love. So we can't, they were like, we can't talk about it from the perspective of just a definition of a word, but it's actually the person who is defining what love is. And so we need to look at him in order to understand how we love um, one another and how we're loved by God. Let's dig a little deeper into this. I want to read 1 John 4. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn that to that now. From verses, uh, I think it's 9, just double check that if I've written that right. Actually, it's verse 7 to 21. 1 John 4, up the back end of the Bible, um, from verses 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us one love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. 
Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. What a great passage. Fantastic passage. I'm going to skim some quick points in there that I want us to pick up. Three quick ones. Really need to go and dig into that passage though. The reason why I say that, the word love is mentioned 27 times from verses 7 to 21. 27 times. I reckon John's trying to get a point across around what love is and how it should operate in our lives. So dig, dig away at, um, leading into Christmas because love is the central message of, the Chris, of Christmas. All right, three quick points I want to make about, about uh, the love of God to us and to others. Firstly, that we rely on the reliable one. So verse 16, we rely on the reliable one. If we just jump back to verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Throughout the Bible, we read stories of humanity missing the mark all the time and living the life, um, missing the mark in living life and loving God through relationship with him. It's, it's littered throughout the Bible and it's littered throughout human history. But the big story of God, as I said before, as we introduce love, is that he is the loyal one. He is uh, full of generosity and compassion. And that's all wrapped up in that, that Hebrew word as well, generosity and compassion and love. They're all wrapped up together and it's, it's like this complete thing of them all operating as one. So it's not just about that feeling of love that's expressed to, to an individual or something. It's actually who God is. And so when, when John says that God is love, it, it's not that feeling. It's an active and alive, and most of all, it's self-giving. And that's part of the core message of agape love, is that it's self-giving love. John is telling us that, that love is God's very nature. It's who he is. It's not something that's just expressed towards us. It's actually who he is in his nature. And so... The good news or the gospel is that God loves us because love is who he is. There is there's not one ounce of his love that is dependent upon who you are or what you do. I'll say that again. There's not one ounce of his love towards you that is dependent on who you are or what you do. He loves you no matter what because that's his nature. He loves you. The question is, is about the reciprocation and the relationship. That's, that's the key about whether or not we express it back and receive it. But God loves you. He could not love you any more or any less. It is in his, it's, it's, it's who he is and it's expressed in and through Jesus when he came to heaven in human form that we would actually have the opportunity now to know that love on a personal level and the blast five or six chapters of John, the book of John, read them. And this becomes the central message from Jesus, that God is love. Remain in the Father as I have remained in him. And so on and so forth, you can look that up. We rely on the love of God all the time in our lives. We're consistently leaning into the reliable and the loyal one. 
This Christmas, we remember that it is not, it's not a one-off thing in terms of relying on God's love. Whether you are a new believer or you don't even know God and need to lean into that, that understanding of his acceptance and love for you in and through Jesus, great time to do it. No better time than in Christmas to do that. Or whether you've been a follower for 10 years, the message is the same. Lean into and rely on the love that God has for you in and through his son, Jesus. Lean into it in your life. And like we just sung, I just wrote it down really quickly. Open up my eyes in wonder. My great prayer for each and every one of us as we rely on the love that God has for us is that your eyes would be open in wonder because there's so much more, always more. Again, new believer, been around, gone around, keep going around for many years. Even so, for you today, there's something new and fresh from the Father of his love for you every single day. It's not routine. It's not routine. The love of God, the routine is not bad, but the sense of God expressing his love to us comes at all different times through this great sense of the wonder of following him and living with him and he catches us by surprise all the time with his love to let us know still there still got you still love you keep following me one step at a time and I'll keep revealing and you can rely on me more and more open up our eyes Lord in wonder through this Christmas season the second part Second thing I want to talk about for, about love today, what John tells us as well. Love is made complete as we love others like God has loved us. So I want to make it really, really clear. This part of the message is not about loving others so that God will love you. All right? Paul, John's really clear about that. Again, your identity in God is signed, sealed, delivered in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. There it is. There's God's love for you, Father's love for you, for you to receive. This is about, John says, making it complete, a complete sense. And the reason why he talks about it is, is because he says, if God loves you and the nature of God is love, that self-giving that self-giving love to see others be loved and to know the Father, then, then he says, if we're to be like Jesus, then that's how we love. Our love becomes complete as we love like he does. We know him more as we love like he does in and through this world. It's an amazing mystery. As they just said, it's two sides of the coin where God, Jesus said it in the greatest commandments, two of my favorite passages, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He said, what's the greatest commandment? Like they said up there, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second, Jesus grabbed it really quickly and said the second. In other words, you can't separate these two, love your neighbor as yourself. Two sides of the coin. Or if you want to put it this way, I use this analogy a lot because I think it's a really great one when we have these two things and we're like, we're we're such Western thinkers. We're taught to make it really easy in our minds to make everything line up and and get a final answer. But there's a sense of mystery in following God and and his love, getting loved by him and loving others. So how do we move forward when these two things are ongoing? Which one do we do? Which one do we focus on? All those kind of things. Treat it like riding a bike. And letting God love you is one pedal, 
And loving other people is the other pedal. And you move forward by pushing on the pedal that's up. That's the way you can move forward. So the key is, though, it's not a rule. It's about relationship. We can push that we can know which pedal is up by being in relationship with God and trusting. He'll show you. He will show you what, which pedal's up. I need you to be in a season where you're receiving my love for, for you right now. You need to know I love you. But then there's another part. Okay, we're in a season of no, action. I want you to show other people. You, you, you're full. You're overflowing. Let, let's show other people. And then, and then there's a day-to-day thing where sometimes you don't feel like loving other people, but it presents and it's still that pedals up. But God says, I know you really don't feel like it, but I want you to follow me into this place and I'll meet you right there. My love will be right there for you. Serve them. Serve people and I, and I, will, and, and I will be there with you. Oh, gosh, there we go. Just went off my notes and away we went. All right. So we love like God loved us. John says that it is made complete as we love other people. We can also draw, if we need to, again, from Jesus' life, as the disciples wrote the books of the Bible and they looked at Jesus and who he was, we also can do the same for our own lives and how we love other people. Examples of Jesus doing that, John 4, the woman at the well, I think that is one, I was reading it the other day or listening to it on my run, it is a beautiful passage of seeing Jesus tenderly love somebody step by step. It it's, gives so much detail that we don't get in other stories of how Jesus engages the woman at the well and asks her for a drink. And then she says, you know, it's the Samaritan woman, ask for a drink. And she says, you don't know who, I, you know, who you're asking to do this. And Jesus says, well, you don't know who's asking you for the drink. And, and she, he just begins to use this very natural scenario to, to talk to her and bring her into under, uh, um, talking about her own life. But, he, but he's he doesn't hit her right between the eyes with, 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 with this big message. He just gently does it this, with, with um, talking about who she is, actions she's done, and then showing her who he is and revealing who he is. And she comes to this place where she just is overwhelmed. Um, it's a beautiful passage. Have a look at that. Zacchaeus. Got you know um, Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus, however you like to say that, being from down south or Queensland or wherever. And Zacchaeus... Um, and, and how Jesus doesn't care about public opinion and he goes and, 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 and relates to this man who nobody else loves because he's a traitor. Go and search that story. You see how Jesus loved and served him even though others felt he was undeserving of it. So this Christmas season, as you give toys, as we've got opportunity to do as the church, as you serve the poor in the mercy center, as you give your time to sit and talk with others about life and to take opportunity to speak into their life about how much God loves them, how much Jesus loves them, as you pray for healing, as you, as you consistently ask the kingdom and come for, um, for healing, all making our love complete in that we're loving others as just the way we would want to be loved and the way that God loves others as well. The third thing, the really quickly, the third thing this morning, kingdom love is messy. <laughs> it's like, why would you finish with this, with this message, Scott, this part, Scott? And it's like, well, I think sometimes we come through the Christmas season 
And, and it's a sense where you can feel like it's all meant to be really clean and pretty and, and, and it's all great and, and I love it. I love all the lights and decorations, but it's a sense where we're meant to, I, you can feel like at Christmas, you're meant to feel like life's really good and, and, and it's all really pretty and clean and, and you've almost got to feel, I don't know about you, but me, you feel like you're being asked to push away the the messiness of what goes on in life or what's happening in life or maybe your own personal circumstances. But again, let's look at Jesus via the definition of of love coming down to earth and what it looked like. Right from the point that he was born, it was messy. He didn't come with pomp and ceremony or anything like that. He was born into a messy, smelly stable. Animals everywhere. He was put into a concrete, probably concrete or wooden, I don't know, some stone, I think, actually, not concrete, stone um, kind of um, trough that the animals ate out of. The Son of God, in all his glory, put into a mess. And he's brought into the mess of humanity um, right from the beginning. We see that in his, in his story. And that we could go back again to, to, the, to the woman at the well. You know, he's bringing the love of God into her life. It's hot. It's in the messy part of the day. She's a Samaritan woman that he shouldn't talk to, technically. Technically, as a good Jew, he shouldn't talk to her. Public opinion would have been bad of him for doing so. All this, her life itself was a real mess, a real mess. You know, five, five marriages as such. Um, Zacchaeus, same deal. We just talked about him. Public perception um, that would have been associated with Jesus talking to a criminal, you know, a traitor to the nation. And Jesus loves him and welcomes him with open arms. It was messy. It was really messy in bringing the kingdom. And for us, it becomes messy in our, as the kingdom, as love comes. And it, the mess, though, is. It's not a bad thing. It's because the mess is about what, firstly, clash of two kingdoms. The mess is there because there's a real clash. God is trying to love on people, but the reality is, is that there is an enemy. There is, an, there is evil, and he is trying real hard to make sure that people don't understand how much God loves them. He knows that will transform the world, has transformed the world, and will continue to transform the world if people understand how much God loves them. And so it gets messy because he tries to fight that tooth and nail wherever he possibly can. The second part is because our stuff, we we are reborn through the love of God and through Jesus. We walk into a new life and life in its fullness. And so our stuff dies. And that gets messy when that happens. But it's a good mess. It's a mess that needs to happen so that the love of God can come into our lives. I hope that makes sense to you. I'm not saying we avoid the mess. I'm saying enter into the mess with people to bring, to clean it up, to bring the love of God into their lives this Christmas season. Be it practically, be it spiritually, whatever it looks like, welcome the love of God into your life and into their lives and welcome the kingdom mess. That is the Christmas message on love this, this season. Practice it, practice it, practice it. Let God love you. Let him love you and love other people, even if it's messy.
which it more than likely will be messy. Celebrate that because you're probably on the right path. Because Jesus got into the mess, we can get into the mess with them too and help them to know how much God loves them. All right, can we stand? Let's stand together. Um, I want to pray for us right now. I just want to pray for a feeling. How can I speak on love and then not invite God's love to come into our midst? And, and for, So let's close our eyes, if you would. Close your eyes. Everybody else around you is closing their eyes too. Some people like to, and if you're new and visiting today, um, some people like, uh, like to put their hands out. And the reason why we do that, if you're wondering why people do that, it's because we're, we're putting our body, our physical body, into a position to say, we want more of you, God. We want you to come. We want you to do what you want to in our lives. And so if that's you this morning, and you've never done that before, you might want to just do that. Just, just kind of, all it is is just simply like opening your palm up out in front of you. A really simple physical thing to do. Say, God, I don't know, like, I think you're real. And, or maybe even, I know you're real, but I've never really experienced that love that you have for me before, and I'd like to today. And so by putting your palms out, it's just a physical action of saying, come, Father, and show me how much you love me today. The thing about us here at the vineyard, we believe he's here with us right now through the Holy Spirit. That he's not distant, he's really close. Really close to you right now. And he's really close to quite a few people in the room right now, I can see it. And it's causing some of you to open your eyes and close your eyes because you're not really sure what's going on. And you open them and you close them and you get this feeling that comes and you're like, oh, I'm not really sure about that. And you open, so you're opening and closing them. I want to encourage you, keep your eyes closed for now. It'll be all right. Nothing weird's going to happen. God's just going to love on you. And I want to give another opportunity. If you've never said to Jesus that you're my Lord and Saviour and I want to thank you for dying for me. Now that your palms might be turned, I just simply want you, it's just you and me. Everybody else's eyes are closed. It's between you, me and the Lord right now. just want you to lift your hand. If you've never said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Saviour, thank you for dying for me on the cross. And just lift your hand right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And there's a few people, the Lord, as I was preparing the message, I felt like he said there's a few people here that, um, that have forgotten that my love for them is unconditional, that you've been trying real hard to do things or act in a certain way to earn his love for you. And he wants you to know today that you don't have to strive. You don't have to do all those things for him to love you. There's nothing wrong with those things if they come out of an act of love and service towards him and other people like we've talked about. 
but it's that difference between doing it because you feel like you need to do it for him to love you versus I'm doing it out of the overflow of his love for me and for other people. I get that that's a fine line sometimes. But for some in the room, God really wants to meet with you today and release you. Release you. That's the key word. Release you from that. Because he has so much of his love for you that, that that's stopping it from coming to you in a, in, a, in a real strong way. And so if you feel like that's you today, just want to lift your hand up right now again. Everybody else's eyes are closed. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And if you are in that place and you want to be even bolder, you can come out the front and we're going to get some people to pray for you today that you would um, really stop striving and let God love you for who you are. Last thing I want to pray for, and you, again, if this is you, can come up the front. If you need a fresh touch from the Lord to love other people right now, stuff going on in life makes it really hard for you to think about loving people. And in particular, I want to pray for anybody who's feeling a sense of disconnection and isolation because of this crappy COVID season. I want to pray for you that you would have a strong sense of connection back to God and that you would be able to love other people. If you need that this morning, also want to invite you to come out the front now. You can come out the front and we'll pray for you. Other than that, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill us up with your love. This Christmas season, open our eyes in wonder that we would know you more and more, that we would out of the overflow of knowing you, out of the overflow of that wonder, it would be released, your love would be released, your kingdom break into the lives of those around us. That we would love like you love us. That we would be like Jesus on this earth. We welcome it. We want more of it, Lord. Come, come and let it be. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.